having me back. And we were scheduled to be here last year. And uh, this thing called Corona. I never heard of Corona. Now, some of you have, but but anyway, I never heard of COVID-19. I must have slept through COVID-18. I hope hope there's no COVID-20 and 21. And the terms, social distancing, I never heard of that. I knew I didn't want to go to my wife's mother's house, but I didn't know to have an excuse. So I've been social distancing, but uh, able to come this year. And uh, your pastor did something very special for me last year. And uh, the Lord knows about it. And brother, I, I thank you. And I'm proud of young men, his age, serving the Lord, preacher of the Bible, living the right kind of life. And I appreciate his brother working here with him. His older brother, right? And uh, I'm sorry, Adam's a little sensitive there. But anyway, it's just good to be here. Good to see the pastors in this area. Brother Meister from Louisiana, what are you doing in Columbus, Georgia? (laughs) Well, you've come to the right place, my brother. Uh, Brother Mays Jackson said he's preaching one time and and said he got to preaching on salvation. And said a little lady up toward the front said, Hallelujah. Said one of the deacons went down there and said, you got to be quiet. We don't do that in our church. She said, well, I can't help it. I got salvation. He said, you didn't get it here. <laughs> and said, <laughs> and said in a few minutes, said she did it again. Well, glory. And said two deacons came. One got on one side, one got on the other. And they hauled her out and said on the way out the door, she stuck her head back in and said, well, praise the Lord, Brother Mays. Jesus went to town on one and I'm riding out on two. (laughs) Now, if you didn't get that, the pastor will interpret right over here in the corner. And the Lord is good. If you're saved tonight, raise your right hand. If you know it, raise your left hand. If you don't know you're right from your left, just say, praise the Lord. There's a Bulldog fan here. I heard you. You can't count. Amen. Parker's the only preacher I know going around that big Georgia Bulldog right there. Like, I, I thought you was an Alabama fan, man. God bless you. But I appreciate it so much tonight. We've been having a very interesting 12 months in our nation. Our churches have never been through anything like this before. And for the last 12 months, our world has heard from everybody, from everywhere, about everything. Nothing they said today matched anything they said tomorrow. And you wake up the next day and they're going to say something else. But I believe more than ever, our world needs to hear from the church. The Bible said the church is the pillar and ground of truth. I believe the church is salt in a world of decay. I believe it is light in a world of darkness. I believe it is hope in a world of despair. I believe it is truth in a world of deception. And I believe more than ever the church needs to do what we're going to read about in our text tonight. Lift up our one voice and proclaim the greatness of our God. Read with me tonight in Matthew chapter number 3. Again, reading in verse 1. 
In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Say, repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, here's my text tonight, the voice of how many? One. The voice of how many? One. The voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare ye the way of the Lord and make his paths straight. And I'm interested tonight in that little phrase in verse 3. The voice of one. The voice of one crying in the wilderness. And the Lord helping me tonight, I want to preach on that subject. The power of one voice. More than ever tonight, the church needs to lift our voice. You know why the Bible said, let the redeemed of the Lord say so? Because only the redeemed have anything worth saying. We have heard from politics. We have heard from the athletes. We have heard from Hollywood. We have even heard from the modern-day apostate man-made church. But more than ever tonight, our nation, our families, our homes need to hear a voice of reason in an insane world. And I'm glad tonight the church has a light and we need to shine it. I'm glad tonight the church has a stand and we need to take it. I'm glad tonight the church has a song and we need to sing it. And the church has a message tonight and we need to preach it. And the church has a voice in this wilderness of sin and unbelief and we need to lift it for the glory and honor of Jesus Christ. I love the man in our text tonight, John the Baptist. The voice of one crying in the wilderness. Who was or what was John the Baptist? The Bible said that he was a forerunner. In other words, he was sent from God to prepare the way for the first advent of the Lord Jesus Christ. And therefore John went out through the wilderness of Judea saying something like this. Prepare. Get ready. Somebody's coming. Prepare, get ready, somebody's coming. Now John said, I'm not that somebody, but I've come to tell you about that somebody. In fact, that somebody that's coming is greater than this somebody. In fact, he was before me. In fact, I'm not even worthy to tie his shoes. In fact, he must increase, but I must decrease. But I need to tell you, prepare, get ready. Somebody's coming. And I'm glad that somebody came. And I'm glad I know who that somebody is. His name is Jesus. All of the prophecies, all of the promises, all of the predictions that God made about his first coming were fulfilled to the minute detail. 
He came when God said. He came where God said. And he came the way that God said. And so John's going out in the wilderness lifting that one voice. Somebody's coming. Somebody's coming. And may I say it tonight, God got it right about the first advent of his son. He came when God said in the fullness of time. He came where God said in the little village of Bethlehem. He came the way that God said he would be born of a virgin. God got it right concerning his first coming. You say, well, what has that got to do with us in this day? Well, we are modern day John the Baptist. We are forerunners. God has sent the church for this stage of time to prepare the way for the second advent of his son. By the way, there will be a second advent of his son. God got it right about the first coming, and I promise you he's got it right about the second coming. All of the promises, all of the prophecies, all of the predictions concerning his first coming were fulfilled in the minute detail. And I promise you tonight that all of the prophecies, all of the promises, all of the predictions about his second coming will be fulfilled to the minute detail. So therefore, the calling of the church, the job of the church, the responsibility of the church in 2021, it's to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And our message is something like this. Prepare. Get ready. Somebody's coming. Prepare. Get ready. Somebody's coming. I'm not that somebody. But I can tell you about that somebody. I am not that somebody, but I know that somebody. I am not that somebody, but I have met that somebody. That somebody was before me. That somebody is greater than me. And I really mean this tonight. That somebody must increase and, and I must decrease. But our message is tonight, prepare, get ready. Somebody's coming. And just like he came when God said the first time, he'll come when God says the second time. Just like he came where God said the first time, he'll come where God said the second time. And just like he came the way God said the first time, he'll come the way God says the second time. Do you realize tonight that we are on the threshold of the second coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? God got it right the first time, and he's got it right the second time. The only difference is this. The first time he came, he came in a manger. But the next time he comes, he'll come in the clouds of glory. The first time he came, they put a crown of thorns upon his head. But the next time he comes, they'll crown him with the royal diadem. The first time he came, he rode a pencil-tailed donkey. But the next time he comes, he'll ride a white stallion. And the first 
first time he came, they cried, crucify him. But the next time he comes, they will bow before him and sing, oh, hail the power of Jesus' name and crown him king of kings and Lord of lords. Just like he came the first time, he will come the second time. Let's lift up our voice and tell the world, somebody's coming and Jesus is his name. Boy, I enjoyed that introduction. The voice of one crying in the wilderness. You say, well, Brother Joe, how successful was John the Baptist at lifting his one voice? Well, evidently successful enough that it's down by the River Jordan baptizing the convert. And I'd like to invite you tonight to this baptismal service. John is up there baptizing the converts. And all of a sudden, John looks on the other side of that river. And he motions and beckons with his hand. And he uses a strong attention-getting word. They say this particular word in the Greek means to stand at all. Something big is about to happen. Brother Tom Hayes from North Carolina said that word in the Greek meant looky, looky. Rednecks from Georgia would say, y'all watch this. So one day John's down by the river and he beckons with his hand and he uses an attention-getting word and he says, lifting up his voice in the wilderness Behold, looky, looky, stand in amazement. Y'all watch this. Behold thee, not a, not one, not some, but thee. Behold, stand in amazement. Look, behold thee. Lamb of God. For the first time in their life, they heard that phrase. Now, they had heard about lambs, but they'd never heard that God had one. Why, they knew their Old Testament. They knew that Abel had a lamb, and they knew that Moses had a lamb, and they knew that Aaron had a lamb, and they knew that Israel had a lamb, and they knew the high priest had a lamb. There had been thousands offered for the payment of Israel's sin, but now for the first time in their life, they are called to behold and stand in amazement, not Aaron's lamb, not Moses' lamb, not Abel's lamb, but God's lamb, God's holy lamb, God's perfect lamb, God's immaculate lamb, God's impeccable lamb. God's peerless lamb, God's sacrificial lamb, God's sinless lamb, God's substitutional lamb, God's slain lamb, God's sacrificial lamb, 
God's selected lamb, God's special lamb, God's sure enough lamb. Behold, the lamb of God. This is not a man's lamb, a religion lamb, an Israel lamb. This is God's lamb. This is God's emancipator. This is God's redeemer. This is God's savior. This is God's son. This is God's Christ. This is God's salvation. Oh, I wonder if there's anybody in this room tonight, you remember when you was a sinner lost in the wilderness of sin and unbelief, a faithful preacher, a faithful teacher, a faithful church member lifted up that one voice in your wilderness and said, Behold, stand in attention, stand in amazement, Look round over yonder. There he is. Not a door, but the door. Not a way, but the way. Not a shepherd, but the shepherd. Not a savior, but the savior. Not a king, but the king. Not a lord, but the lord. There's not five lords, seven lords, and nine shepherds. There's one faith. There is one God. There is one savior. There is one lord. Never been one before, and there'll never be one after. Behold the Lamb of God. Can I say tonight, that is a sight to behold. The Lamb of God. And I'll tell you tonight, when the Christian, or when the preacher, when the teacher, when the personal soul winner lifts our voice, and we point men and women and boys and girls to the door, the way, the truth, the life, the shepherd, the king of kings. When we point men and women and boys and girls to the Lamb of God, we're not pointing them to a Methodist or a Baptist or a Catholic or an American or a Muslim or a man-made figure. We are pointing them to God's payment, to God's sacrifice, to God's Savior, to God's Lamb. I'm telling you, brother, what we're singing about tonight and what we're preaching about tonight is God's stuff. Behold, the Lamb of God. And brother, when they thought they had heard the greatest sermon of their life, John the Baptist shoves it in another gear, and he says something they had never heard. Behold, the Lamb of God, listen to this, that taketh away the sin of the world. There was only one word in that statement that they knew about, and it was the word sin. They knew about sin. They knew about the condemnation of sin. They knew about the guilt of sin. They knew about the punishment of sin. They knew about the curse and the scar of sin. But here is a man pointing them to the man that can do something about their sin. Let me tell you something, brother. There's plenty of sin and foolishness and uh, perversion in our world today. I don't even have to mention it. You know it's there. It's at an all-time high. But what a wonderful time to be a Christian, to step out, on the stage of time, clear you off a piece of ground, 
and lift your voice and tell a world that's full of sin, that's full of the guilt and the judgment and the condemnation of sin. Look, behold, right over there is the somebody that can do something about your past can do something about your shame, can do something about your guilt, that can do something. Oh, let me tell you, there's mamas and daddies all over Columbus, Georgia, need somebody to tell them there is the somebody that can do something about your messed up world, about your shattered family, about your broken dreams. I mean, they knew what sin was. They knew the guilt of it. They knew the punishment of it. They knew the consequences of it. But for the first time in their life, here's a man in their wilderness lifting up his voice saying, look over yonder. Behold, there is the somebody that can do something about your sin. Now they had heard a little, but they had not heard the best. You say, now what do you mean by that? Well, up to this point, they had heard that God could put their sin in the depths of the sea. That's good, but not the best. Up to this point, they had heard that God could take their sins and seal it up in a bag. That's good, but not the best. Up to this point, they had heard that God could cast their sins behind his back. That's good, but not the best. Up to this point, they had heard that God could separate them from their sin as far as the east is from the west. That's pretty good, but that's not the best. Up to this point, they had even heard that God could propitiate, that God could atone, that God could cover their sin. That's good, but not the best. You say, Brother Joe Arthur, you've lost your mind. Well, you come to hear me. You say, what could be better than having your sins sealed up in a bag? What could be better than having your sins cast behind God's back? What could be better than having your sins put in the depths of the sea? What could be better than having your sins separated as far as the east is from the west and what could be better than having your sins perpetuated, covered, and atoned? Well, dialogue with me just a minute. If they're in a bag, they're in a bag, but they're still there. If they're behind his back, they're behind his back but they're still there. If they're in the depths of the sea, they're in the depths of the sea, but they're still there. If they're from east, it's from the west. You circle the globe, sooner or later, you'll bump into them because they're still there. If they're no more than covered under the cover, they're still there. Oh, they knew he could seal them. They knew he could chuck them. They knew he could put them. They knew he could cover them. They knew he could set. They had heard a little. But now for the, well, glory. But now for the first time in their life, their call, their attention, and their wilderness of despair, and their wilderness of darkness, 
and their wilderness of damnation and their wilderness of distress. Oh, and their wilderness of disbelief. Here is this man coming out of the wilderness, lifting up his voice saying in southern words, y'all ain't heard nothing yet. Y'all ain't heard nothing yet. From, for our northern friends, you guys haven't heard the least yet. What is it? What is it? Oh, you see that man, that one right there, not Moses' lamb, not Aaron's lamb, not Abel's lamb, but God's Savior, God's Emancipator, God's Messiah, God's Christ, God's Yahweh. See that man? He's going to do more than cover your sin. He's going to do more than put your sin behind his back. He's going to do more than seal it in a bag. He's going to do more than put it east or from the west. Well, what's he going to do with it? gone he's gonna take it away it doesn't even exist you say preacher what's better than being in the depths of the sea gone what's better than being put in the back gone what's better than east is from the west gone what's better than behind his back gone what's better than covered gone our sins are not covered our sins are not covered our sins are not sealed our sins are not cast you say where are they I don't know. I'm not looking for them. They're gone. They're gone. They're gone. Thank God he took it away. Our nation has never, our cities, our towns, our hamlets, our villages, our neighborhoods have never needed tonight more than ever. They've never needed it any greater than they do in this hour for a lady or a man or a teenager, a bus worker, a personal soul winner, a Sunday school teacher, a singer, a deacon, a Christian, and I hope deacons are Christian, and a preacher to lift their voice and say, listen, you've been wondering about your sin and your past and your failure and your mess-ups and all the spider webs that sin has engulfed you in. I want to point you to one. I want to point you to one who can take it away. He can take it away. He he can take it away. You ask me why I'm happy, and I'll just tell you why. My sins, and boy, I wish I could rap. Oh, I wish I could rap. That'd be a good one right there. My sins are G-O-N-E, gone. Aren't you glad? They're gone. Brother, you want some fancy singing. I'm the one you need to talk to. Gone. Gone. I was witnessing to a young man one day. He had needle tracks all up his arm. And he said, Preacher, I'd give the world if I could get over this. I said, You don't have to give a thing, son, because Jesus paid it all. I got to preaching to that crowd yesterday, and I don't know, I just get these random thoughts at times. And man, I just stood up on the pulpit and I said, and I started to say, if you're lost and in this room and you want to be saved, well, you know, I'm so glad I'm not a hyper-Calvinist. Now, I'm hyper, but I'm not a hyper-Calvinist. I am so glad my Bible said, whosoever will, let them come. And boy, I got real happy yesterday, and I started to say, come on down. The price is right. But I didn't. I stopped in the middle of it, Not jumped up and said, excuse me, come on down. The price has been paid. Aren't you glad there's a Savior who can take away your sin and mine. He can take away the sin of the world. 
Brothers, when he got to that last word and that lifting up his voice, behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Brother, they had never heard the rabbi say that. They had never heard the priest say that. They had never heard the Sadducees and Pharisees and Levites say that. Oh, they'd heard about a lamb for an individual, Abel. They had heard uh, a lamb for a family in Hebrew and in, in, in Exodus 12. And, and when they put the blood on the houses where they were, and, and they had heard about a lamb for a nation through the Levitical priesthood. But oh, now John says, on day something, we're talking about a lamb more than just for one individual, and a lamb for more than just one family, and a lamb for more than just one nation. Behold, looky, looky, stand in amazement. Y'all watch this. That's God's Savior. That's God's Messiah. That's God's Emancipator. That's God's Redeemer. And He's come to take away not just your sin and your family's sin and your church's sin and your neighborhood's sin and your nation's sin. It's the world, brother. It's the world. For God so loved the world. Go to all the world and preach the gospel. What the church is offering tonight is for the whole world, not just the frozen and chosen but for the whole world lifting up that one voice said look behold there he is the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world he said well brother Joe how effective was he well it may take me a while but I'll always get back to my text Verses 3 the verse number 7. This is a wonderful, wonderful passage. John is down there by the rivers of Jordan baptizing the converts. Boy, that's a phrase used in the King James that just overwhelms me. It said they came down to John to be baptized confessing their sins. And don't you read Catholicism into that. Don't you read Catholicism into that. That word confession simply means an admittance of guilt and the acceptance of the sentence. You know what you did that moment you got saved? Let me quote you some scripture. Romans chapter number, how don't you love Romans 10? God's simple plan of salvation. For if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That day you trusted Christ, that moment you trusted Christ, you know what you did? You confessed your guilt, you admitted your guilt, and you accepted God's terms of punishment, and you fell at the mercy of God. I'm glad. I'm glad I've confessed and believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. And they came to John confessing their sin to be baptized. Oh, come with me in your mind. John's standing there in the water. One man walks up and confesses his sins. And I just want to say this. Oh, I'm glad that was John and not me. If John was in our day, he wouldn't have to listen to him. He could go on Facebook and find out all he wanted to know about. 
Flady said to my wife through the day, he said, Miss Arthur, you and Brother Joe don't do Facebook. Y'all don't know half of what goes on in our church. Julie said, we know enough to tire our nerves up. <laughs> Some people post their whole ignorance for the whole world to see. And let me just say, if your daddy ever runs off with your wife, don't tell anybody. There's some things we don't need to say. No, boy, I could run a rabbit right there. I've seen churches tore all to pieces because immature people, some people need a machine gun more than they need a mouse. They'll do more damage running their fingers. They're not bold enough to say it to you. Come on, bring it on. But boy, they came to John and they were confessing their sin. And John would baptize them. Then another would walk up, confess his sin. John would baptize him. Another would come up, confess his sin. And John would baptize him. And then all of a sudden, John turns. And there stands the Lord Jesus Christ. And he doesn't confess his sins. Because he don't have any to confess. I like that so good. Can I say that again? He didn't confess his sins because he didn't have any to confess. And he said, John, baptize me. And John goes, ooh, I can't do that. I'm not even worthy to tie your shoes. And Jesus said, John, to fulfill righteousness, baptize me. You say, what in the world is fulfill righteousness? Well, let's have a little Bible study. You know what righteousness is? That's what God imparts to a sinner when he receives Christ. That's what God imputes to his account when he trusts Christ. Well, let me ask you this. How does a righteous God give the unrighteous righteousness and still retain his righteousness? Hmm. How do sinners like you and I ever have the righteousness of God? Well, it's imputed and imparted the very millisecond we trust the gospel for our salvation. What is the gospel? It is the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so John the Baptist is going to fulfill righteousness. He's going to show this crowd how righteousness is imparted and imputed. I'm like Johnny Pope. I'm about to enjoy my own preaching right there. Oh, how righteousness, I just won't be as long doing it, and righteousness is imparted and imputed. And so John takes Jesus in type of his death, immerses him, buried with Christ in that liquid grave. In type of his resurrection, risen with Christ, raises him up out of that liquid grave. Oh, give me your mind. Give me your mind. I can see John standing there with his hands on Jesus' shoulder. I see Jesus standing there in that water about waist deep. And some of that water dripping down his face, down his garments. What a sight to behold. And I'm here to tell you, I don't know what it did for John. I don't know what it did for the bystanders. But I know according to this text what it did to heaven. It totally erupted heaven. You say, well, what happened? I'm about to explode to tell you. God made him a hole in the clouds. 
He took the Holy Spirit and he put it on the wings of a dove and it flew from the throne of God and it hovered over the shoulders of the Son of God and God himself mounted the pulpit of eternity and leaned over the balcony of heaven and spake with a voice that shook the foundations of the earth. This is my beloved Son and whom I'm well pleased. John didn't say that. John didn't say that. But God Almighty said that. You said, bring it home, preacher. I'm a wanting to. You said, what's that got to do with us? Here it is. John was so faithful. John was so consistent in lifting up his voice. John was so faithful and consistent lifting up his voice till one day God said I think I'll join in I think I'll help him it's time I've lifted up mine then God began to Lord of mercy then God began to speak then God began to thunder then God began to lift up his voice and may I say to the United Grace Baptist it's one thing to hear my voice it's one thing to hear John's voice but when God goes to talking when God goes to speaking when you hear God's voice nothing's ever the same John was so faithful and lifting up his one voice to one day God joined in and lifted up his voice. I was born in 1962 in another age, in another dispensation, as Harold Clayton would say, back in the dark ages when nobody had any fun. And I was born into a preacher's family. Old-fashioned, leather-lung preacher's family. And you know what? I'm not trying to recover from it. I'm thrilled to death. I got some buddies of mine. Their daddies were drunkards. Their daddy murdered their mother. Their daddy abused them. And I feel so bad for people that had to live in that kind of world and environment, but mine was the best. And boy, right beside of him was my little mother. She always wanted to preach, but Daddy wouldn't ordain her. <laughs> my precious mother, my dad's in heaven, but Mama's still alive. She's 87. Boy, I wish she was here tonight. If she was sitting in this room tonight, you would have to say, which one's Joe's mom? Oh, she'd tell you. Because she'd be, while I'm preaching, she'd be saying, amen, honey. Preach it, baby. Amen, sugar. Sick him, Holy Ghost. And if mama got to looking around and didn't, and she thought she wouldn't enjoy my preaching, she'd sit down beside of you and holler glory in your ear. I was raised in a wonderful family. My daddy was a great preacher. When I went to Bible college, I, I was bored the first two years. I done sat under my dad's preaching. 
I'll never forget we was in theology 101. We had that biblical hermeneutics book by William Hartell and the, 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 the Dr. Macmillan said, hey, we need to get this book. I said, one like this. Where'd you get that book from? Like my dad's library. Well, son, have you ever read it? Twelve times. He said, what's in it? I quote him every chapter. He said, just put your head down on your desk for the next six weeks. He gave me an A for just showing up. I loved it. My mama was a great Christian. I heard my daddy preach my whole life. He's a verse-by-verse guy. Revelation. That, I mean, son, I heard it my whole life. I heard my mama pray. That's why nobody could ever talk me out of what I got because, man, I saw the reality of it. My mama could pray than most Baptist preachers could preach. I love it. Mama would get happy during a singing. Help, man. Hallelujah. I love it. I was raised in a wonderful, wonderful home. I remember one time Dad was out preaching a revival, and one of the town drunks on Tuesday night showed up at our little single-wide trailer where we lived. Knocked on the door. I was about 12. I went to the door. I said, what do you want? He said, I need to talk to your daddy. I said, Roy, he ain't here. He won't be back this Saturday. He said, boy, I'm lost, and I'm on my way to hell. I said, I'm sorry, Roy, you got to wait this Saturday. <laughs> I didn't know what to tell him. I said, Roy, you just, I, I, honestly, I said this to him. I'm ashamed of it now. I said, Roy, you're out of luck, buddy. <laughs> I said, Daddy, go. Won't be back this Saturday. He said, well, you hear me, boy, I'm on, I'm on my way to hell, and I don't want to go. I can't wait to serve you. I said, Roy, I don't know what to tell you. Daddy won't be back to brother, brother Seth, about that time, coming back to that trailer, I heard my mama's voice, Roy, honey, Roy, honey, don't leave. You ain't got to go to hell, honey. Come on here inside. I can tell you anything J.B. can tell you. And mama took that little red 179X Schofield Bible, walked him down the Romans Road. And mama, my mama, honey, my mama, led the town drunk to Jesus Christ. I am not ashamed of my heritage. And I said all that say this. I never heard false doctrine. I never heard nobody preach from anything but the Word of God. My daddy preached it straight. He preached it right. And my mama lived it too. They took me to hear great preachers. I've heard some of the greatest preaching in the 20th century. I've been in meetings and Dr. Sattler preached from a fellowship and the grace of God. I used to try to preach like that and I rubbed my voice the first day. He took me to hear Mays Jackson. Brother Mays preached on the tip of his toes and he pointed. He didn't point. He po- I'll tell you about love that you listen to me right now. I, I mean, just preach. He took me to hear Billy Kelly. Billy Kelly weighed 450 pounds and he wore suspenders and it came out like that. But, well, by God, it's got to go somewhere when it's 450 pounds of it. And he'd get happy and, and play on his suspenders and I thought to be a man of God I had to get me some suspenders and I got me some and plucked mine and mine come off about putting my eye out he took me to hear Jack Kyle's and I thought I had to <clears throat> cough every time he took me to hear Lee Robertson I thought I had to get me a double breasted suit till I couldn't breathe in it anymore taught me to go here he took me to hear Tom Malone hope your Bible tonight amen he took me to hear some mighty, mighty men of God. 
Boy, I've heard some good preaching, some good Bible teaching. I've heard some of the most wonderful gospel singing. I was sitting in a service at Freedom Baptist Church in Rural Hall, North Carolina. The first time Squire Parson walked on a platform and sang in public for the first time that wonderful song, He Came to Me. He came to me when I couldn't go to where Jesus was. He came to me. And I'm telling you, some of them deacons in my daddy's church were some of them to this day were some of the most godly men men I ever knew in my life they could pray they could get a hold of God and I'm just saying this brother I've heard it I've heard it I've heard the preacher I've heard the voice of the preacher I've heard the voice of the teacher I've heard the voice of the missionary I've heard the voice of the evangelist I've heard the voice of the gospel singer I've heard the voice of the worshiper the shouter the prayer the soul winner I've heard the voice of men I've heard it long I've heard it loud and I'm thankful for it oh but that Thursday night about 9.30 in Reedsville, North Carolina in 1979. I didn't hear the preacher's voice. I didn't hear my mama's voice. I didn't hear the singer's voice. Jesus spoke to me. God spoke to me. Heaven spoke to me. And when you hear God's voice, you're never the same. But listen to this tonight. They didn't hear God's voice until they heard John's voice. John just kept lifting his voice to God lifted his voice. Let me say to you parents tonight with little children in your family, keep lifting up your voice. Keep lifting up your voice. Keep bringing them to hear men of God lift up their voice. One day, I usually don't get emotional my first night, but I'm tore up right here. One day, they'll hear his voice. I got, I don't know if I've told you this or not. You'll hear it several times the next day or two. Have four, four, glory, four of the most amazing, talented, educated, beautiful granddaughters. They're five, four, three, and two. They're already driving buses, playing pianos, teaching Sunday school classes, singing in the choir. No kids like them. And they're like, really? Boy, their mamas and daddies are trying to do their best to lift up their voice. Brother Seth, I got to preaching last night, and I looked over there, and I set two of them. Watching the granddaddy just sweat and get all in it. I looked over there and there was my other two just sitting there wondering, what's wrong with Paul Paul? <laughs> After church, Heidi, my three-year-old, she come bubbling up to me. And I'm going to tell you something about them little girls. Let me tell you something about them little girls. They are born manipulating men. <laughs> They learn, at least you've got some boys to kind of balance things out. We ain't got nothing but sneaky girls. And listen, I know boys are mean, but boys, boys, boys are just plain old mean. Girls are sneaky mean. I've never gotten an argument with a five-year-old before, but we're about to. My little three-year-old came up to me. Granddaddy, <laughs> granddaddy, what baby, look, I got my, she called it my first 
big girl Bible. I got my first big girl Bible, granddaddy. She said, granddaddy. It ain't nothing like it. That's the only reason why you didn't kill your own. <laughs> granddaddy. I want you to sign. My big girl Bible. <laughs> I didn't say, well, wait to after church. I'd have got out in front of 285 and stopped the traffic. <laughs> and as I'm signing that little big girl Bible, I'm saying, oh, God, may she hear another voice besides mine. May she hear another voice beside grandmother's. May she hear another voice beside her uncle who does the children's church, my son. May she hear another voice other than her mama who quotes the Bible and prays with them every night. And I just believe if we'll keep lifting up our voice and shining our light and singing our song, the God of heaven will join in and lift up his voice. And when he lifts up his voice, nothing's ever the same. Let's keep lifting that one voice. The voice of one crying in the wilderness. Let me give you this illustration, a true story. Happened to a friend of mine. If you've ever been up Interstate 85 and you go north and you finally get through Atlanta 10 days from now and make it up to Greenville and Spartanburg before you get to Charlotte, about number four in the South Carolina line, you'll come to a place called Calpins, Calpin, South Carolina. You know how it got its name? There were some pins up there and they put cows in it and they called it Calpins. <laughs> you blondes are going to get to it about four o'clock in the morning and go, that was funny right there. On the side of the left, on the left hand side of the road up there, is a large mammoth church. A friend of mine was at for 52 years. Mountain View Baptist Church. Dr. Jimmy Robbins. He pastored that one church 52 years. No wonder he died. <laughs> Bless his heart. Thundered the word of God at that church 52 years. You say, I don't know if I've ever heard that man preach or not. If you got to ask me that, you didn't. Because he was one of them. If you ever saw once, you knew. Number one, didn't nobody ever make dress like him. He, every time he preached, he wore a pair of solid red, dyed red, alligator skin, dyed red cowboy boots. Now that would get your attention. He'd wear them double-breasted suits with them gold buttons. He preached out of a red Bible. He had a red hanky, drove a red car, had a church with red doors and red carpet, lived in a white house with red shutters. I asked him one time, I said, Dr. Robbins, how do you like red? He said, stand for the blood, boy, stands for the blood. And one night after revival, they went to get something to eat. And they walked up to the door of that restaurant, and there were two hell's angels on their Harleys right there at the front door. I, 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 I don't mean the weekend want to be warriors. I mean the real thing, man. 
the ponytail, the deep sea fishing lures, the carvings, the drawings. You know, the cut off shirts with mother tattooed on their arm. I mean, I see people like that. I'm kind. Hey, good to see you. Praise the Lord. Brother Robbins. Hey, hey, you doing, boys? One of them jumped back like that. He said, I ain't going to hurt you. And I'm not making fun of this man of God, but in his South Carolina Southern lingo, he'd say, I like, hey, hey, boys, them your Harleys? Harleys. He's, them your Harleys? Yeah, I like them. I like all that chrome on that, too. I like them Harleys, and I like all that chrome on that, too. Now, now you know a man with a pair of red alligator skin cowboy boots, it's going like chrome on a Harley. I like that chrome on that, boy. I like it. Thank you, sir. He said, Hey, buddy, will you do Preacher Robbins a favor? He said, well, if I can. Oh, he said, you can. Will you do me a favor? What? He said, now, I like your Harley. I like that chrome on that, but do Preacher Robbins a favor. Don't ride that thing in the hills. Don't ride it in the hills. Boys, Jesus loves you. Jesus died for you. And don't ride it in the hills. He walked off, went and ate his meal. They left. Five years later, one Sunday night, the Mountain View Choir, about a hundred voice choir, they get up and start singing the glory down, and the door opens, and in comes fine, clean-cut, dressed young man. One of my friends, Brother Spencer, is a head usher in that church. He met him at the door and said, hey, come on in. Come on in. We're just getting started. Uh, you must be a visitor. Uh, how did you hear about our church? He said, well, about five years ago, he said, I think he said his name was Preacher Robbins. He had on red cowboy boots and gold buttons, and he yelled at me. He said, yep, that's Jimmy Robbins. <laughs> He told me not to ride my Harley into hell. Told me and my hell's angel partner not to go to hell because Jesus loved me and he died for me. And he said, I just, I want to come talk to Preacher Robbins. Brother Spencer said, I'm sorry, you're about six months too late. He died. He's buried out here in the cemetery. What did you want to tell Preacher Robbins? His family's here and a lot of his friends and former church members. What did you want to tell him? He said, well, I just wanted to come by and tell Preacher Robbins two years ago, God saved my soul. He said, I wanted to tell Preacher Robbins for three years, I could not get his voice out of my mind. He said, every time I cranked her up, I heard his voice. He said, every time I revved up the engine, I heard his voice. He said, I'd go to those wild parties, the heavy metal music. It was awful. And he said, it couldn't get loud enough. I couldn't get high enough. I couldn't get smashed enough to get his voice out of my mind. Don't write it into hell. Don't write it into hell. He said, I fought it for three years. And he said, two years ago, I gave in. God saved my soul. And I'm teaching a Sunday school class in a church in Missouri. And next month, they're going to make a deacon out of me. And when he said this, 
you know Missouri's got rednecks too. He said, I want to tell Preacher Robbins, I won't ride my Harley into hell, but I'm going to ride it into heaven. He said, I never could get rid of that voice. That voice. In closing tonight, our neighborhoods, our streets, our towns, our villages, our families, our churches, our world needs to hear one lifted voice joined by the lifted voice. And I promise you, the world will be a better place to live if God's people will lift their voice. You say, Brother Joe, what's one voice? Well, Mary didn't have but one box. Gideon didn't have but one sword. Samson didn't have but one jawbone. David didn't have but one sling. Moses didn't have but one staff. Jesus didn't have but one cross. Don't ever underestimate the power of one. Will you lift up your voice? Let's stand together. Father, we love you tonight.